Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... learned it is so important to see our own personal suffering as a grand invitation to trusting loved ones please don't waste your suffering see it as a grand invitation from the Lord to trust more greatly and more deeply in him when you go to church each week what do you want to hear in the sermon Some of us want to feel better about ourselves and be told things we want to hear. Some people want a history lesson, while others, believe it or not, think being made to feel guilty is better. But what does God want? In Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul makes the case that both pastors and the people should want to hear the clear teaching of the Bible each week. So the Lord brings the message He wants to bring to His people. Let's join Pastor Jim as he unpacks this for us. I love it that we get no specifics in what the problem with the Apostle Paul was. Lots of theories. Some people think he had malaria. Some people think he had eye problems. Something that's said in this passage might lead you to think that. But not to mention, the guy was beaten so many times. Can I use a bad word? I bet he looked like hell. (laughs) Not that he was going there, but I bet he looked like it. I mean, you can only beat a man so many times without a good plastic surgeon, right? They look terrible. I mean, really. And he says, in my trial, verse 14, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject. You didn't say, well, he's got problems. He's sick. Forget his God and forget him. No, you didn't do that to me at all. But you received me as an angel of God even as Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? I was a hot mess physically, and you respected me. You didn't expect me to be perfect. The Galatians were blessed by the gospel. They overlooked whatever it was about his physical issues that made him the way he was. They overlooked that probably at times... He was not at his best. They didn't expect him to be perfect all the time. They saw the Apostle Paul, their pastor, they saw him as a human being. He says, verse 15, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? I think that the obvious thing is that what did you enjoy through the preaching? Was it your salvation? Was it the grace of God? Was it sanctification? You were becoming more godly? Was it becoming part of the people of God? Was it the real presence of Jesus among us? Was it it the Holy Spirit? If I had to pick one, I would say the Holy Spirit, but I would say it was all of them. So he says, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. He says to them, 
That's how much I knew you loved me. I came to you. I was this weird, ugly-looking dude. I only came to where you were because probably be by the be by the sea air or something like that. I didn't even want to be there. I came there. I preached to you. You believed. I taught you about Jesus. I did the best I could. Some days I felt like garbage, but I did it anyway. And man, you guys loved me so much. If it was your bad eye, you're like, man, if I could give you my eye, I would. And, and just look at the emotion of verse 16. He says, have I therefore become your enemy? You who once loved me so much, now you can't stand me? Now, now you're against me? A bunch of false teachers come in and sell you a bill of goods and you forget about me? He says, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Because instead of coming and stroking you about how wonderful you are, I tell you the truth that you're walking away from God. And this, unfortunately, is the experience of many pastors and ministry leaders that tell people the truth and don't stroke them. They become hated by the very people they once helped come out of bondage, by the very people they helped once come out of paganism. This section is so instructional for a church and its pastors and its leaders. First off, it is clear, the clear that God allows pain and suffering into our lives. It is clear it is not always because of sin. Jesus suffered, but Jesus suffered not so we would never suffer. Jesus suffered so we would see and experience the Lord's goodness in the midst of our own suffering. So we could suffer and we could look at him on the cross suffering and we could experience his grace and we could press on. We could keep going. One thing I have learned, it is so important to see our own personal suffering as a grand invitation to trusting. Loved ones, please don't waste your suffering. See it as a grand invitation from the Lord to trust more greatly and more deeply in him. On Good Friday, we looked at Isaiah 53, the prophecy of the suffering servant. Friends, hear me and hear me well, because if you're not suffering, you will. While Jesus is the suffering servant, oftentimes we are the Lord's suffering messengers. And that's just the way he does it. The Apostle Paul had plans. He had big ministry plans. He was going to go out and he was willing to lay his life on the line daily for the gospel. But he says, I came to you because of my physical infirmities. The Lord used his suffering to change his plans. The Lord used Paul's suffering to change Paul's plan. And the result was enormous good. How good we are sitting here and we are reading this letter and just like me, 
Many of you are fighting back the tears and I can see it. Did the Apostle Paul know that that would be the result of his suffering? No. But he embraced suffering as a grand invitation to trusting and became the Lord's suffering messenger. He was a planner. He was an organizer. It's good to make plans. It's necessary to make plans. But the Apostle Paul shows us that it is, it is important to be flexible to the Lord's changes. We quote it all the time, Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Other versions say, but the Lord establishes his steps, but the Lord determines his steps. So the Apostle Paul says, man, I came to you. You saw me, man. I did not look good. What a far cry from today. We're buff pastors with makeup on, are strutting around stages, telling people how wonderful they are, putting on shows. People love them. They love them. Oh, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. The Apostle Paul says, hey, have now I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? But they were blessed initially by the Apostle Paul because he brought them the gospel. He helped them fall in love with the word of God. They were blessed and they were happy. They received the word of the Lord with joy. And they loved the Apostle Paul for all his hard work it took to bring them the word. You know, in Acts 6, the Apostle Paul said, we need to study the word of God and pray. We, we, think, that, we think that the apostles that didn't need to study the word, they, they were constantly studying. They were constantly working hard for the good of the congregation. The consistent, systematic preaching of the word of God is the job for teaching pastors. That is the job. The ministering to the flock is also part of the call for that pastor, but it's also the call for others as well. But the expectation that many people have for pastors and leaders in a church is way off. I'm telling you what Paul's saying here. If you own it, wear it. If you don't, don't worry about it. So many people expect pastors to work night and day for doing what people say, but what is not pastoring, what is not shepherding. Primary way, and, and you know, sometimes like, why do you tell people how to judge you? Because it's the, my job. The primary way to judge a pastor is his faithfulness to the word of God. And a church must judge its own faithfulness to the word of God because to welcome the word is to welcome Christ. To love the word of God is to love Christ. The Apostle Paul's message had not changed. So his natural question to the Galatians is, if I didn't change, if the message didn't change, he's, he's doubting them. Were you really ever children of God? Did you ever really put your trust in Christ? He's asking them hard questions. 
A faithful pastor will tell people things that they do not want to hear. And please, friends, don't think that the pastor necessarily wants to hear it because it applies to him too. Don't think that the pastor necessarily wants to tell it to you because he knows that there's going to be certain people that are going to walk out of there and going to go, I want to go to a place that tells me good things about myself. I'm awesome. Just ask me. But God's true people rejoiced and they do rejoice to hear the word of God faithfully preached for their own good and because they know it's how they get to know God. Honestly, without the Bible, do you think you could really know God? That's impossible. He's the exact opposite of us. But what happened to the Apostle Paul is all too common. Critics come into a church. They begin to sow seeds of dissension. Or sometimes people there from the beginning. They had a picture of the way things would look as things began to go over time. And the picture didn't match what they wanted. Or they had a title that they had in mind for themselves. But they didn't have the gifting. Or they, their calling was not identified by people. Or they, they just wanted the title, but they didn't want to do the work. You, you ever get the impression that the, the apostles were lazy? You never get that impression. And so what happens? They begin to sow dissension in the ranks. And let me tell you something. One of the ways you can tell a leader in a church, a true leader, is they stand up to the dissension. They don't just sit there and go, oh, that's bad what he's saying. Oh, man. No, 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 no. They stand up to it. Why do they stand up to it? Because even though they might know it's wrong, there are other younger ones of the flock that hear somebody saying these things and they go, oh, well, he seems like a spiritual guy. He's been a Christian longer than me. It must be true. It must be true. But leaders stand up to that stuff. Be very careful of that, of when people are being, there's dissension and, and, and nobody stands up to it. You could be in the midst of a very, very bad crowd, certainly not leaders. You say, why is that bad? Because before you know it, you could end up like the Galatians, rejecting the message. You could end up like the Galatians, where people are adding to it or subtracting from it. Or, or telling you only what you want to hear. So, so, so what are they doing? They're rejecting the message, but how are they doing it? By rejecting the messenger. They're tweaked at Paul. And so what are they? Because they didn't like what he said. Because he told them the hard truths they didn't want to hear. So they are rejecting the message because they don't like, now all of a sudden they don't like the guy who told it to them. Times have changed dramatically. You used to be able to tell people tough stuff, and they took it. I remember a long time ago, a guy who works at our company, I hired him in the 90s. I, I used to say some things to him, and he was a tough guy, and he took them, and now he's a director now. He, he, he took them. He was a young kid, and, and he took them. Well, last year, he said the same stuff to somebody else. And we had to send him for sensitivity training. <laughs> because, because people can't take hard truths anymore. Every time you tell somebody a hard truth, what do they say? Oh, you're mean. 
What are they doing? They're blame shifting. They're taking the eye off themselves and their fault or what they did wrong and they're putting it back on you. Oh, it's not me, it's you, you're mean. That's the pro- I'm not the problem. You're the problem. But contrary to our culture, it is loving to tell people the hard truths of the word of God. It is good for their soul and certainly good for their eternal destiny. Verse 17, he tells us the way they go about it. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. A clear mark of a false teacher is they seek to look good for themselves. And they seek to build a following after themselves. Oh, pastor so-and-so. Oh, brother so-and-so. Oh, so wonderful. He writes verse 18, but it is good to be zealous in a good thing always and not only when I am present with you. See, he's saying, listen, don't put on an act for me. The false teachers are in it for themselves. That's all they care about. He says, I'm even concerned for you guys when I'm not with you. Verse 19. Verse 19 has been hanging on the back of my office door since the day we opened this church. And it still remains. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. That's a true pastor. I'm not saying I'm that guy. I still hang in there because I'm not yet there. But that's what a true pastor is. He likens a true pastor to a, to a woman in labor, painfully struggling for and working for the delivery of the people of God. You could also say that their conversion, fighting for that spiritual warfare, was like the pain of labor and birth, and now so is their defection. It is so painful to his soul. You know, I told Pam just today, 13 years of doing this, and it took me getting sick almost three years ago for the pain to really, really hurt. I used to be able to shrug it off. I can't shrug it off like I used to. I'm not a hopefully falling to pieces totally yet. But I understand what he's saying to some extent. Verse 20, you know every time, you know that song, every time you go away you take a piece of me with you? Um, you know, for a pastor and, and for people you love, um, every time they walk away from the Lord, it does take a piece of me. Verse 20, he says, I would like to be present with you and now to change my tone. Maybe he's thinking, hey, if, I, if we could sit and talk, I'd understand better what's going on. For I have doubts about you. <laughs> Notice what he says. I'm not confused about the gospel. I'm confused about you. I'm not, I'm not brokenhearted. I'm not perplexed about the gospel. I, f- I, feel that, I feel that way about you. So the Apostle Paul uncovers two things about false teachers. He looks at the, he looks, and, and versus a real pastor, he looks at their zeal and their motives. The Apostle Paul's zeal was for the gospel and for the people of God. That's why he told them the truth. The false teachers, their zeal was for themselves. The Apostle Paul's motive was 
was for the glory of God and for the good of the people of God. The false teacher's motives was for the glory and for good of themselves. It's an amazing thing, this fellow, the Apostle Paul. He, he has the heart of an evangelist, but he also has the heart of a shepherd, the heart of a pastor to help people grow. And it's interesting to notice that he's concerned, he's heartbroken, yet the false teachers in the Galatian defection has not lessened his fatherly love for them. He still loves them. Look again at verse 19. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Hey, whether you're at this church or another church, make sure you look for this in a pastor. Don't, don't look for celebrities. Don't look for, for showmen. The key word here, I think he's telling them in this section to look for, is the word dependency. When a pastor tells people what they want to hear, when a pastor is always talking about how wonderful you are all of the time, he's creating dependency on him. He's getting you to come back week after week after week for more of him, for more of his cotton candy. And before you know it, that sugar addiction's tough to cure. We see it from people all the time. They're like, man, that was some tough stuff. My pastor just, he just picks the happy verses. That's a mark of a false teacher. When they get you to depend upon them, Notice the Apostle Paul is not trying to gain fans. He's trying to gain converts to Jesus Christ. He's not trying to get people to be dependent on him. He's helping people to become dependent on Christ, even if it hurts him in the process. Even if it makes people dislike him in the process. Even if it makes people disown him in the process. He would rather hold out the truth and see Christ formed in them than gain their following, than gain their dependency upon him. That's what it's like to live your life at the foot of the cross. That's what it's like to live and to minister and to serve, not just for a pastor, but for all of us in dependency on Jesus Christ. Serving God, ministry, is very costly to your soul. It is very costly to your heart. Costly ministry like Jesus Christ's ministry on the cross will cost you your life. And to think you can do it and, and, and just not give it all. It's really not going to be ministry at all. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to lead to rejection from people you thought were in your court. People you thought were your friends. People you thought, man, we're partners. We are in this together. But costly ministry 
like the cross of Jesus Christ, while it leads to rejection, it will also lead others to salvation, and it will lead to the good of the people of God. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.